So on Saturday, February 25th, from 4 to 7 p.m., Black History will be celebrated at the Sanctuary for Independent Media in partnership with Troy and AACP, Team Hero, and the Coalition for Black Trade Union. This event will include a Black History Traveling exhibition by Brother Malik Muhammad, a music performance by King Malachi, beats by DJ Hollywood, and spoken word by Shania Jackson, Diamond Owens, and Justin Irby. And I'm now joined by Shania Jackson, who, in addition to performing, is also the secretary of Troy NAACP. Welcome to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Hello. Thank you for having me. Welcome. It's so exciting to meet you, and I'm very, very excited for this weekend. So as the secretary of the NAACP in Troy, is there an aspect of this celebrating of Black History Month that was particularly important to your group? Yes, we were really trying to focus on talking about the importance of Black history, but talking about it in not only a positive light, but really talking about it before the enslavement of African people. Because when we talk about Black history, typically it is discussed um, with civil rights and or African Americans were slaves. Or, and not even using the words enslaved, meaning you were put into slavery, but putting it as a person term of you are a slave, that is your identity. Because that then leads um, Black children and non-Black children to believe that Black people have that original identity now as slave, which is not who we are. So we really wanted to take time to focus on the overall power and have a true education on who African people of the African diaspora, people of African descendancy are, which is why we're so excited to have the Sankofa Project um, by Malik Muhammad. He's done this presentation for some of our events before, and it's a beautiful portrayal of what our true history as African descendants is. Really talking about the royalty and the kings and the queens and what our true history is. So we're very excited to have a better discussion about Black history that's not rooted in the trauma that our people have endured at one point in our lives, but not our entire lives, of course. And if I understand right, the exhibition is also participatory. There's, it'll be guided by Brother Malik Muhammad, right? Yes, it's not meant to be something that is very passive, which is actually something I love because that is something that I don't think is as well known, but it's something that's actually very part of African culture and Black culture. We tend to have teach using stories and discussion. We tend to have more community coming between us. So I love the fact that he brings that natural essence of who we are into it, where it's not meant to just be a presentation where you sit and take notes. You're meant to ask questions, to share your thoughts. What did you already know about these people? Did you know these stories or not? How can we now bring these into our schools and our homes and our environments so that we can allow these stories and these journeys to be told? So yes, it is much more of a journey rather than just a sitting sitting presentation. So um, if anyone's going to be coming, I really, really hope that you bring your thinking cap and are ready to have a discussion rather than just sitting and watching. That's my favorite way of learning is like the discussion, the participatory. Very exciting. And you are one of the featured artists and you've been performing spoken word for 10 years. So I'd love to talk about like, what's this arc been like for you and what draws you to this medium? Yes. So I started spoken word almost on accident. So um, I started it a little bit when I was younger, where I was actually started about third grade, where I was just venting one day. And I read poetry, and I knew about poetry, of course. 
but I didn't know how to put my words down. And I was always someone who loved writing. Um, and so I remember one day, I forget what I was upset about, but I just sat and I wrote down my, my feelings and I was so frustrated at life, just third grade rows, pencils being broken and such. Um, and when I remember presenting it to my family and they said, oh, this is actually really, really good. And I started learning more about what poetry was. And I started learning about just the, the freedom of poetry because I love story writing as well, but stories have structure and you need to have characters and settings and plot points and, you know, all of that where poetry is really just an expression of, of emotion in words and you can craft those words however you want to. And then when you perform it, you can really craft it however you want to. So um, beginning in about 17, 16, 17, I started presenting my poetry in school. I started presenting it um, when I was in my church. I started presenting it actually, um, I presented it at least once before with the Sanctuary for Independent Media back in 2020 um, for um, a Martin Luther King Jr. Day event. So I've been presenting at these various spaces. I presented in college as well. Um, and it's been this freedom that I've just enjoyed having because as a black woman, especially, it's sometimes hard to know that you're that you're being heard and want to be heard. And it's hard to have a voice and feel confident in knowing that you can use your voice. So I loved that this was something that I could use at times in my life where I felt like I didn't really have a voice. So I was young or I didn't think people would really hear my woes. Um, and I especially loved when I really miss when Troy had it, when we had um, Poetic Vibe down in Troy Kitchen years ago and um, with D. Colin leading it. And I love that it felt like a community where for the first time I was able to be heard by others mm -hmm. and I was able to hear others. And it was just kind of like a listening party where I could see everyone's heart and they could see mine. So when I get chances to present more, especially um, in Troy, who I'm, I'm just very passionate about my city, Troy, I, I can't help but just to continue to be drawn to the fact that I can now get a chance to share my heart and hopefully not only share my thoughts and my experiences, but really hope to be a light bulb for someone else to say, yes, she said what I've always felt, but I didn't get a chance to say it or I didn't know how to say it. So I also love being someone who can talk about or, or share my experiences and become a voice box for people who may not have as much voice as I at least currently do now. Speaking of light bulbs, I feel like I was always very intimidated by poetry because there was like a structure and you're saying the exact opposite. So I, I wonder if it's how it was presented to me in the system or, um, oh, yes. you know, I, oh, oh, speaking, <laughs> speaking as an educator, um, I've been an educator since uh, officially since 2019, unofficially since I don't know, about 10 years ago, so whatever that math is, 2012. Um, but yes, oh yes, I it's likely that because when it's taught in school, which is something that I never liked, it's very much so taught by these are lines and these are stanzas, and you know, that we have the red wheelbarrow. And why is the wet why is the wheelbarrow red? Now it has rainwater. What does that mean? And it's very structured and very strict and very you have to have imagery and you have to have. And there's a lot of you have to, you have to, you have to. Mm. And it's ironic because poetry is the most loose form of art there is. That's that's what it's meant for. It's meant to not have a structure. It should be taught in a way where you can say, these are the patterns po people who consider themselves poets tend to use, and we can analyze that. But when you write your own, 
have times where you just put your thoughts onto paper, where you just put your heart onto paper. Whatever that sounds like, whatever that looks like, that is still poetry. If it's not, and really, if it's not following a specific storyline, if it's just showing what we can't really put into exact straight words and you have to show me a story of some sort, maybe it's you walking outside and you feel the rain on your face. And that's the story that I hear. And that's the way you share that you're sad today. But you can't just say you're sad because that's not enough. That's poetry. So yes, it's typically taught in a very structured way. And typically students hate poetry because it feels very structured and there's all these rules when really it's the opposite. And we should just discover how people have written poetry before rather than study it to know exactly what poetry should sound like. Mm. Well, unquote. <laughs> yeah. So I heard that you have a minor in deaf studies from SUNY New Paltz. And there's some extraordinary deaf poetry slams from around the world. Do you ever intersect these two parts of what you do? Not yet. Um, I started actually doing poet, doing deaf studies because when I was, again, in my church and I was sharing some of my poetry there as well, I used to watch, um, and I went to a Black church, I still do, and part of the culture is doing liturgical dances, meaning doing um, doing these emotion-filled dances to gospel music to visually portray the emotions that one may feel because of, based on the um, trials or the story that's being portrayed in the song. And I remember watching this and thinking, wow, that's beautiful, but I wish there was actual language to go along with what you're trying to say. And then I discovered, I shouldn't say really discovered because I knew it, but then I got into more deeply into sign language. And I love the poetic nature of sign language because it is this visual explosion of language where many things in sign language, you can translate them in words, but they will not come across the same compared to if you're signing it. And then the way you can sign one word five or six different ways just based on the emotion and the facial expressions and one tiny change in something. And it's so delicate and beautiful. So I haven't, I've kept them separate for myself so far because I love poetry and I love sign language and I love the mediums and how artistic and beautiful and freeing they are, but I haven't mastered them yet. And I think I want to master them individually first before combining them, especially because I'm not um, part of the deaf community. If I was, I'd probably jump right into it. But I also want to be mindful that it is a beautiful language, but a language that is not required of me yet. And I want to give respect to that. So I'm looking at the time and we are running out of time very, very fast. We have maybe a minute left. So just back to the Black History Month event this um, weekend. If I'm going to ask you a big question with like a 30 second time answer. But if there was one thing that you could change about the way that we're taught history and specifically including black history, what, where would you like to see that change? I would like to see the change in explaining why we're doing it. Why are we learning this history? What is the importance of learning this history? And what does that mean for for how we see the world? There's not really much talk about why we're doing this. And I think that we, we would have much better discussions and a better change to our education system if we just stopped and said, what is the purpose? And is this truly meant to help or just continue to um, put, a pre put across the oppressions that have been put forth before? Thank you so much, Shania Jackson. We're very much looking forward to meeting you, or I am, 
meeting you for the first time on Saturday. Saturday, February 25th from 4 to 7 p.m. More information and registration is at mediasanctuary.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.